0: What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. So there's this quote by Theodore Roosevelt that says, Comparison is the thief of all joy. Um, I'm not sure what context he had said that in, but uh, it's a phrase, it's this quote that I've been reminding myself of quite a bit lately. It's also a quote that my wife seems to be robbing or robbing, she's not robbing anything, uh reminding myself, uh, reminding me of in the last few weeks. Uh, dude, I struggle deeply with comparison and uh and it um I resonate with the words of Theodore Roosevelt when he says that it is the thief or the killer. What does he say exactly? He says it's the thief. Uh, of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And uh, man, I resonate with that deeply. I compare myself to others um, often, and it steals my joy, man, if I'm just totally honest with you. It is a thief of my joy. And sometimes my day can ride, uh, my, my ups and downs completely rely on how much I'm comparing myself to other people. In fact, there are times where I feel like I'm comparing well. And so I have like this um, fake or un... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like a... It's a cheap joy. It's a cheap satisfaction because it's not rooted in anything deep um, except some thought in my own mind that I'm doing okay, um, either compared to how I was six months ago or five years ago or whatever, or I'm comparing myself to somebody else, Or something else, and so I might convince myself, like I say, in a kind of in a cheap way, that I'm doing okay, and my joy will rise, uh, and my mood will change, and then something will shift that, something will tweak that, and all of a sudden I'll feel either shame or like I'm I'm not doing very well, either compared to my own standards or somebody else's standards or what I see how I see other people living life. And the things that they have are the way that they are. And uh, and my mood tanks or my, my joy tanks. And it's just such a, it's a, it's kind of a roller coaster. Um, these aren't like high and I'm not like depressed and then up and down. But it's just like these subtle shifters of mood change and emotion that all kind of root at this thought of uh, comparison and really coveting. And so the reason I'm talking about this is because I've been struggling with this a lot even the last few few. I really if I'm honest for you probably my whole life I've, I've come to be aware of it maybe the last couple of years but this last week and especially for whatever reason I feel like um man I've just been comparing myself quite a bit to other people and to other things and it is robbing my joy and I'm finding myself kind of walking around life with this uh it feels like a heaviness um because, I, because of my comparison to other people. And so as I deal with, whenever I, do, you, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that whenever I'm dealing with something, whenever I'm processing something, whether it be anger or sin or relationship or whatever, I'm always trying to ask myself, and I think this is helpful for all of us, uh, to ask ourselves, what is the root of what I'm actually feeling? Because what, what happens most often, I think for most of us, is that we, life reveals symptoms to us. Um, oftentimes we'll feel emotional about something or we'll have a reaction to something and we'll either be angry or we'll be sad or we'll have fear and, and these are like symptoms of something that's happening deeper and this happens in our marriage like you know we get in fights because Their socks left on the ground, or because I'm not doing the dishes, or because my wife—I feel like she doesn't. uh, This is this is a generalization. I'm not saying this specifically about my wife, but uh, we can often feel that our wives don't respect us as men, uh, and our wives often can feel like they're not heard or valued or emotionally taken care of. These are some big generalizations here, but I know that they're true for a lot of marriages. Um, And so they play out in certain ways like uh, I'm mad that you didn't do the dishes or I'm mad that uh, you don't listen to me or let me do what I want or let me just relax because I've been working hard all week week or whatever. Uh, And all of these are really just symptoms of deeper problems. And so that's what I mean when I say that life often presents symptoms to us. Um, And we not it doesn't typically present the root of the problem, but it typically uh, presents the symptom of the problem. And so where we get stuck is when we try to address symptoms instead of the root. Um, And so instead of like dealing with the socks that you left on the ground, and that's what your wife always gets mad at, or um, instead of dealing with her getting mad that you want to watch Sunday or football on Sunday all day or relax because you've been working hard, whatever, the... Really what you have to ask yourself, in whether it be in marriage or relational stuff or these emotions that present in your own heart, is, is this a symptom of something that's happening deeper within me? Um. And I always say, you know, when you're sick, my wife's an oncology nurse, we talk about sickness and health a lot in our family. And, uh, you know, when when you, when you your body is presenting something, like my, my daughter right now, she has a runny nose, she has a fever, um, so there's all kinds of bugs going on around us right now. And so uh, we could just address those symptoms, like I could just keep wiping her nose, or I could just keep giving her Tylenol or whatever to try to lower her fever, but really I want to know what's happening inside her body at a deeper level because I know that those are just symptoms of a deeper problem. And um, so I think I've kind of beat this analogy uh, down to its pulp here, but uh, I think you get what I'm saying. So what what is the symptom of what's happening deeper? And that's the, essentially what I've been asking myself the last few days. All right, Jared, you, your emotions are kind of weighing on they're riding on this um this sense or this thought of comparison that you're comparing yourself to other people and your emotions seem to ride on it so what's this that's just a symptom to what's actually happening underneath and so what is the core problem what what am i actually feeling Um, And I think, you know, as I'm trying to gospel myself, as I'm trying to remind myself of the good news of Jesus, I want to be a disciple of Jesus who filters all of life through the lens of scripture and through the lens of the gospel. And so every situation that I encounter, I want to, I want to put on the glasses the lenses of the gospel and filter life through that, and so I'm, I try to do that to myself often. Like, all right, Jared, what what is what does the gospel say? What does Jesus say? What does the Word of God say about what you're feeling right now? And I, uh, even as I was, I was literally just taking a shower uh, five minutes ago. Not to, that's too much information. I apologize. <laughs> uh, not to get weird here, uh, but I wasn't planning on recording this podcast. But man, the emotions. I'm I'm like in the thick of my emotions right at this moment. So I thought I'm just gonna uh, tur- hit the record button and start to ramble and try to process this out loud with you because I have a feeling that this is probably in some ways something that you as a dude also deal with and so in the shower uh, a few minutes ago I was just thinking to myself what is the root of what I'm feeling right now and I think the root is uh, if we go all the way back to the very beginning of scripture of humanity we see uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve are perfect. They're without uh, sin. They're in the garden. They're in perfect relationship with each other and with God. And you know the story. I talk about this a lot. You've heard it a lot. The serpent, the evil one, the one that was more crafty than all the others, comes up to Eve and presents her with a proposition, and it it's centered around uh, a piece of fruit. And as you and I both know, the fruit wasn't really the temptation because, listen, she's in the Garden of Eden without sin. Uh, If she wanted a good piece of fruit, she could literally like turn around. She probably could have just like flew her arm back and hit another amazing piece of fruit off of a tree. Like there was good fruit to be found everywhere. There wasn't a lack of good fruit in this garden that she was in. There wasn't a lack of good food. And so Satan really, like it's interesting that we think that she was tempted with this really nice piece of food or this really nice fruit, but she was in a garden that had no sin. Like uh, dude had like a lot of fruit. She had a lot of fruit that she could go to. She was on no shortage of fruit. And so the proposition that Satan is really, that the serpent is presenting to her is much deeper than this piece of food, obviously. The proposition, the, the temptation, the, the idea that he plants in Eve, uh, Eve's head is, there is something outside of what God has currently given you that can satisfy you, and you haven't experienced it yet. God has given you all of this garden, and it's beautiful, and it's good, and you can have whatever you want, but there's more to be found outside of what he's given you. And if you search for it, and if you go for it, and if you you look for adventure outside of where God, what God has given you, you'll actually be more satisfied than you are right now. And dude, that's like exactly the same thing that I'm feeling in 2018 uh, to this day. Literally thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, I'm being tempted. I'm wrestling with that same notion that the serpent put in Eve's head in the garden on day one of the scriptures. Uh, And I always say that Satan, you know, his his tactics are incredibly effective. Uh, That is true. That can be pointed out and made proven by all of the junk that you and I experience in our life. You have a lot of sin and brokenness and hurt. You've been affected by sin. Your sin has affected other people. You have hurt people and you have been hurt by brokenness and by sin. And Satan's tactics are like effective, man. Every single one of us listening to this podcast, every single one of us uh, that uh, on the planet earth have been affected by this thing called sin. He is effective and his tactics of turning beautiful things and skewing them and lying to us and helping us uh, to believe things that aren't true. He is incredibly effective, but his tactics aren't new. They aren't new. Like The thing that he uh, he was putting and whispering in Eve's ear in the garden is the same thing that he's whispering to me and his Jared. There is satisfaction to be found outside of what Christ has given you. Yes, God has given you lots of good things, but there are things outside of that that could actually bring you joy. Dude, it's the same lie that Eve was experiencing from the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And so that really, when I trace back the root of what I'm feeling, it's that. It's that I am convinced that joy uh, and satisfaction, that hope, that adventure can be found outside of Christ. Uh, And not just the stuff that he's given me, but God alone. Remember, back in the Garden of Eden, the, the greatest thing that Adam and Eve had was not that they were in this beautiful garden. It was that they were in this beautiful garden and that they were with God and that they were with God without shame and that they were in this communion with God that was unbroken. That was the greatest gift that they had, a relationship with God that was unfractured. And so, because of Jesus, we also get that kind of relationship, a relationship with God that is unfractured, That is, uh, God doesn't pour out his justice on us. Instead of pouring out his justice and his wrath because of our sin, he pours out his kindness and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his steadfast love. And so, we get that same kind of relationship that Adam and Eve had back in the garden. Uh, yes, there's still sin mixed in. But we get glimpses of heaven or of the garden, it seems, here on earth, even today. And our hearts long for the day when everything will be made right again and we'll have that perfect relationship, just like Adam and Eve had back in the garden at the beginning of the story. Uh, And so because of that, the the greatest thing that I have is not just that God's given me stuff or that he's given me health uh, or he's given me a family or whatever, but the greatest thing is that God's given me himself. He's literally given me the greatest gift ever himself. And man, I take for granted, and I think it could be said for all of us, that we take for granted the joy of our salvation. Dude, you and I deserve the wrath of a God. He should pour out his justice on us. We convince ourselves, and this goes back to comparison, we convince ourselves that we're, we're kind of all right or we're kind of deserving of good things, like we deserve something. Listen, because of our sin, we don't deserve anything but death. Our hearts, my heart, dude, is way more wicked than I dare to admit. It is way more sinful than I dare to admit. If you could have uh, a snapshot of the last 24 hours, any given 24 hours of my life, and just see every thought that runs through my head, every notion that runs through my heart, dude, I am more wicked than I dare to imagine or I would want anyone to believe. And I know the same is true for you and everyone else. We are wicked, sinful, broken people and we deserve God's wrath. We don't deserve anything but his justice and instead of his justice, instead of his wrath, he poured out his grace. He poured out his kindness. He poured out his mercy on us. And dude, what a greater gift than that? What more could I covet? What more could I chase after? What other thing would give my heart more joy than to knowing than to know that I'm at peace with the God of the universe? And so this is how I've been gospeling myself lately, uh, that Jared, you've been given the greatest gift of all, and it's your salvation. That instead of God pouring his wrath on you, he poured out his goodness and his mercy. Uh, And so this is the thing I'm wrestling with. I I, I wanted to share this in the midst of me wrestling with this because I have a feeling that you're probably wrestling with it too, uh, in some shape or form. Listen, this is... um, the reason that if you, a lot of you send me Facebook messages or Instagram messages, I don't I don't have a personal Instagram account. I don't have a personal Facebook account. Um, I, I kind of stripped myself of social media uh, coming up on two years now. Um, and the reason I did that, a lot of people ask me like, well, how come you don't have any personal social media accounts? And the, the reason I did that is because I found that I was comparing myself to other people often. Um, I was, I was constantly comparing myself to other people, uh, and I would just scroll through and I would, and I would look at friends who are successful or more successful or have a better house or a cooler car, or they got a new toy or gadget or a new boat or whatever. And I'm just like constantly like longing for more. And, uh, and I would never satisfied. And again, not just with what I have, but who I am in Christ. was just never satisfied. Uh, And obviously, that was just a symptom. So Facebook and Instagram, those are just symptoms. And just because I deleted the symptoms doesn't mean the core issue went away. Obviously, I haven't had social media uh, personally in two years. uh, And yet I'm here talking about how I'm still dealing with coveting, with comparing myself to other people. So the symptoms, some of the symptoms I've tried to um, push away or mitigate And yet the core issue remains the same, and it's that issue that I am convinced that there's something outside of Christ, outside of my identity in Him that would give me more satisfaction. And for some of us, that stuff, like if I just had a cooler thing, a bigger house, a nicer car, a little bit more money in the bank account, our debt paid off, um, whatever it may be, stuff-wise, or financially, then you, then you covet that because you are convinced that that might give you more joy. And bro, I, dude, I, I relate with that uh, on deep levels. Um, I can, I'm just thinking of all the ways I could relate to that. Um, but some of you, it's not just stuff. It's like there's other things. Like you're looking at other people's wives and thinking, man, if my wife was like that, then I'd be in a happier marriage. Bro, you're coveting, which is exactly what God tells you not to do. Not because uh, for no other reason than your joy should be found not in just your wife but in your in Christ in salvation. when your joy is completely satisfied in him, then other things you just begin to enjoy other things instead of like pursuing other things to give you joy you don 't need to look at your wife to be the source of your joy because you find joy in Christ. Some of you are uh, you look at other people 's jobs. Uh, or maybe a job title within your job and you think if I just had this job or this career change or this advancement or this talent or this skill then I would really be happy or maybe you're pursuing something you're like chasing after your dreams and you're thinking if I could just get this um, uh, this position or I could start my own business or whatever it will uh, whatever it is that you you're convinced that you would have some kind of deeper joy than you can get right now, and I'm I'm just here to remind myself to gospel myself, and because you've turned on this podcast, I'm now uh, in a position where I get to remind you of the gospel, and the gospel is this: your greatest satisfaction and deepest joy can be found right now because there is a God who loves you fully. There's nothing you can do that would make him love you more than he loves you right now. There's no greater gift that you can have, no toy or possession or job title that would give you more joy than the title of being called son of God by the king of the universe. What a great joy that the God of the universe, instead of pouring out his wrath on you, has poured out his grace and his loving kindness and his mercy. He poured out his justice on Jesus so that he could pour out his kindness on you. There's nothing greater than that. And until all of our joy, until we can say, each one of us can say, there is nothing better than that. There is nothing greater than finding my joy in Christ and Christ alone. There's no addiction. There's no toy or gadget. There's no woman. There's no amount of well-behaved kids. There's no job title. Uh, there is nothing that you can give me that will give me more joy and satisfaction than knowing deeply that I'm loved by the God of the universe. Until we can say that, we will always struggle with. I will always struggle with comparing myself to others, to believing the lie that Satan believed, or that Eve believed by Satan back in the garden. And that is that there is something outside of God that can give my heart more joy than just being in relationship with him. That's my encouragement to myself, bro. that's my encouragement to you. There is nothing, do not believe the lie of Satan. There is nothing that will give your soul more satisfaction than knowing that you are loved by the God of the universe. Nothing, no one. Can satisfy your heart more than that. Do not believe the lie of the Satan, lie of Satan. Ours my boy KB, the Christian rapper, would say, "Not today, Satan." If you've never heard that song, look it up. Me and my son dance to it all the time, man. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.